What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, Thursday, August 2nd. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We do this thing daily, every single day, 30 minutes, more or less, maybe more. We're doing some talking about the regular season and doing some planning for the podcast. It might need to be a little bit longer. I hope that's okay. Somebody left a four-star review on iTunes complaining that we were making them work out too long. My apologies to you, uh... Certainly for, for that. Uh, you can leave a review on iTunes. Try to make it a five star, but if it's four star, I guess we'll live. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Trying to get a bump up them iTunes rankings so then I can talk about products on here and my bosses can make more money and give me the same amount. And then you can get the podcast with cooler stuff. So uh, leave those reviews. Get it, get it bumping. Appreciate that. Um, coming up today, Ross Tucker former NFL player and uh, current media member. Ross does great work all over the place. He's a fantastic conversation. And then on Friday, we're going to have Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. The hope is that for next week, for Monday and Tuesday, I will be going to Las Vegas um, on Thursday with Odd Shark to, to enter the Super Contest this year. The hope is that Pete Prisco and Nick Costos, you may know those guys if you listen to the show, uh, will be willing and able functionally capable of recording a live, well, not live, but we'll be in the same room, a podcast with yours truly, and we will do that. The, what I would like to do is split it into 30 minutes each, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. It's possible technology uh, bites us in the rear. It's also possible that um, Pete gets too drunk. Who knows with Pete? Pete likes to tip a Miller Lite back every now and then. Um, certainly wouldn't be me getting too drunk. You guys listen to this podcast, you know I don't like to drink beer. Um, anyway, uh, one thing you should check out that is on CBSSports.com now, it's, uh, or it will be up there soon. I did my, I think it's fun. Uh, I did my Madden simulation for, for the season. Two years ago, I had the Falcons in the, in the Super Bowl. Last year, for some reason, my drunk ass Xbox put the Falcons and the, and the Chargers in the Super Bowl, which might be my Super Bowl pick this year. Uh, this year though, Jaguars Seahawks. What? I know. The Jaguars won the stinking Super Bowl and the Browns went to the playoffs. Seven and nine. Pretty exciting stuff. I just wrapped it up, just submitted it. So check that out if you like video game simulations or want to find out about the new Madden. Um, some interesting things there. You can now, um, in franchise mode, you can, uh, do this thing where you pick your schemes. So like you can pick Doug Peterson's offense. And then you can fit players to your schemes in franchise mode or, or, pra- or teach players how to get better in your scheme. It's pretty cool. So uh, highly check that out for all the new features on the new Madden. Um, not a ton of news out there. The Packers are lost uh, linebacker Jake Ryan for the 2018 season with a torn ACL. That's like seven or eight pretty big names. I mean, Jake Ryan's not, you know, not a big fantasy name. So people aren't going to pop off about it, but I mean, big loss for the Packers defense. Um, Jack Muhort retired. It's just like a, he's like 26 or 27, just had a ton of knee injuries. And, uh, Jordan Matthews released by the Patriots. They are dealing with some serious issues at the wide receiver position. Uh, you know, Julian Edelman suspended four games, of course, and he's coming off an ACL. Thought, thought Jordan Matthews would be able to step in and make an impact. Uh, so now it's like, and they traded Brandon Cooks. I mean, it's, it's like Chris Hogan and, Braxton Berrios, although um, as you will hear later in the week, I've already recorded the show with Aaron Schatz, uh, Philip Dorsett, maybe a name to watch. So uh, subscribe, rate, and review. 
Two great shows coming this week. You don't want to miss them. So if you're subscribed, you'll get into your inbox right away. Let's go talk to Ross Tucker. All right, Ross, thanks for joining the show. Uh, I know you're busy. You're busy doing a lot of podcasts uh, yourself, right? I believe. I know you've got the your your regular football show, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I don't think uh, that one's the the famous one, right? But I don't know that people um, are as fully aware. You've got a a, a gambling podcast and the Fantasy Feast uh, with Evan Silva, right? Yeah, I mean, it's all a scam, Will, to try to avoid <laughs> a real job as long as I possibly can. It's so funny because everybody. You know, there's all kinds of podcasts now, and I've been doing it for like nine years, and it was total dumb luck. I, I retired in 2008 and started writing for Sports Illustrated because I knew Peter King, and I thought, you know, there aren't a lot of former players that actually write. I don't think there was any. So that was kind of my what made me unique or how I wanted to try to be different. And then next thing you know, ESPN hires me to write for them, and they said, hey, do you want to host our podcast too? I said, I'd love to. Right. This is like 2009, Will. Literally, I had no idea what a podcast was. <laughs> but all I knew is they were going to pay me to talk about football. And I was, I was in the mode of, okay, I really don't want to like have a desk job and sit and, you know, push paper or whatever. So I said, yeah. So I did that for like three years and then went out on my own, you know, with the Ross Tucker football podcast. I think maybe the next year. I had Evan Silva from Roto World hop on board for the Fantasy Feast. And then the next year, I was able to get Steve Fezzik, you know, the only two-time winner of the uh, the Westgate Super Contest yeah. as my co-host on the Even Money podcast. So I, I have the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and then I just get, like, experts that know way more than I do about gambling, fantasy. I've got Fran Duffy from the Philadelphia Eagles does – the college draft podcast for me. We're actually getting into um, the ACC next week. So I know that's kind of your, yeah. your turf a little bit. So we, that, that, that podcast just goes over the best prospects in college football. And then once the season starts, we'll talk about like, okay, here it's, it's Michigan against Ohio State. You need to look at Nick Bosa. You need to look at Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush, you know, those, those kind of deals. So it's kind of, previewing the college football games from a from a draft prospect standpoint so yeah man it it's all it's all a, a, a big scam to try to <laughs> avoid a real job and and also the beauty of podcasts is you can actually do them when you want to do them so yep. um it's like uh i don't want to say it's the lazy man media but it's the uh it's the freedom man media i guess i like that because the other thing i like about podcasts is you don't cuz I, I mean i'll host some radio around here locally and i and you've done I mean, you've done plenty of radio. You host, co- you know, to host the Dan Patrick show and fill in for him sometimes. Um, or even, uh, or pro football talk, I guess. But the, you know, the thing about like terrestrial radio, and of course you do Sirius XM, um, is that you have to hit these breaks and you have to hit these marks. And with the podcast, you could just do whatever the hell you want for like an hour. It's kind of nice. It really, really is. Um, it's, I mean, I, I'm a big fan and obviously podcasts are growing and more and more people are realizing. You know what? You know why not just listen to 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you want of exactly what you want to listen to. Whereas sometimes, you know, you hop in the car, you might, you might, you know, your 30 minutes might be like 12 to 15 minutes of breaks. You yeah. know, depending on when you get in the car, maybe even more. So, so yeah, I think it's kind of like I tell people it's like um, it's almost like DVR. For, uh, for audio, you know, it's like, listen to what you want, when you want. 
I like it. Yeah, I mean, you get 12 minutes of radio and, and like seven minutes of Foreigner on a Tuesday if you're flipping, <laughs> flipping back and forth between the – Foreigner's awesome, man. I, 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 I like awesome. Foreigner. I like Foreigner. But, I mean, that's – you know, maybe you maybe you got yeah, – maybe you were thinking you'd get some fantasy football advice. You end up with uh, a, like hearing about LeBron James and listening to Foreigner, and all of a sudden you're behind <laughs> you're behind the eight ball. Uh, and I got weird now behind the eight ball too, but let's dive in on, uh, on some NFL topics. Um, there, holdouts are, are popular. Holdouts have always been popular in the NFL. It does feel though that there are a couple big ones happening right now. Maybe the biggest of all is Khalil Mack, uh, with the Raiders. Not only do you have a guy who's a former defensive player of the year who wants to be paid an exorbitant amount of money, has already seen the quarterback on his team get a big extension, but you have a new coach in John Gruden who is as cutthroat as they come, Ross, in terms of moving on from players and has openly come out and said that he, that we need everybody to play better. You know, like we need, we don't, we don't need to worry about Khalil Mack. We need to worry about everybody else. Uh, you know, what should the Raiders do here? And do you think there's a chance that this is unresolved by the time the regular season comes around? It's possible because Khalil's already made decent money and, you know, two-time first-team All-Pro, three Pro Bowls, defensive player of the year a couple years ago. And I, I think he realizes that the fifth-year options below market, you know, these teams are looking at things a lot differently than the players, right? A player's like, hey, I had a four-year contract because I was a fifth uh, first-round pick. You picked up the fifth-year option, but my contract, my original contract expired. The teams are always looking at these things now like, well, we got you on the fifth-year option. Then we can tag you. Then we can tag <laughs> you again. So I always feel like one of the things that makes the NFL so much different than the other sports from a contract standpoint is really two things. It's sort of the um, the the omnipresent injury risk, right, that's always hanging over you. You look at like Daryl Williams for the Carolina Panthers. Sure. Tell me that that guy doesn't wish he signed a deal you know, before training camp started. Uh, you know, I mean, he was great last year. He's all pro. Year. Yeah. He's you know, not, yeah. and and then and then the franchise tag. So the thing about Khalil Mack and the and the Raiders is, John Gruden. It, it sounds funny. He loves football, man. Like he loves it. I don't think he likes the money part of it, and I think he'll just get really annoyed if they have to start to play games without Khalil Mack. And he'll say to Reggie McKenzie at some point, I, I just don't care. Just get him here. You know, because it's not Gruden's money, you know? Right. I mean, and, and you look at how he managed the cap and what the Raiders did when he was there, what the Bucks did when he was there. I, I tend to think that'll get done. The more interesting one to me, I think, is Aaron Donald. Sure. Probably because I've had for, I don't know, maybe like – at this point, seems like two years, Will, people telling me, oh, don't worry about that. That'll get done. Oh, don't worry about it, Ross. Like, almost like they knew something I didn't like. Oh, that's, that's going to get done. It's that, that, that's no issue there. And yet here we are, right? Here, here we are where it still is not done. And all these other guys have been paid by the Rams before him. I mean, keeps Leeb's getting over 10 million bucks this year after that trade and Dominic and Sue 14 million bucks. You know, now Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley. But the first three guys I mentioned, Will, have never played a down for the Rams. And they're all scheduled to make more money this year than Aaron Donald's made for four years so far. Mm. So that's the type of thing that gets you fired up when you're the best defensive player in the NFL. 
And so, you know, you never know what he's asking for, Will. Maybe he's asking for like $30 million a year, whatever, right? And I can see the argument of people saying, well, yeah, he should be the highest paid defensive lineman or defensive player, but it shouldn't be well and above what these other guys have had. But then the Rams just kiboshed their own argument by giving Gurley like double what any <laughs> running back's gotten. So whatever, whatever like the ammo the Rams would have about, hey, we don't go well above and beyond for a position, Aaron Donald. They just, they just totally uh, screwed themselves by doing it with Gurley in that regard. And I don't think he'll play games until they give him a new deal. And I don't think he should. And the Rams are all in for this year. And if you look at the NFC, Will, you don't want to miss a game or two or three or four because maybe that you lose a game that you otherwise would win. And maybe that's the difference between a buy or not. Maybe it's the difference between home field advantage or not. And the NFC is rough. I mean, NFC is about as good of a conference as I can remember since I've been doing this when you look at all the good teams over there. And I think the Rams are smart enough to know they don't want to play football games without number 99. I, I'm with you 100%. If you could win 10 games, and, and their division at least maybe they could get away with winning at nine and seven. But you could, you know, if you don't, if you don't get the 10 games plus, there's a, I think you could, I think you could miss the playoffs with, t- with 10 wins, you know, and if you finish second in your division, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. The other thing on Donald too, um, of course drafted, you know, in, in that 2014 draft class, but because he fell over quote unquote size concerns or whatever it was, his fifth year option is only 6.8 million. His franchise tag for a defensive, t- you know, defensive tackle or however you want to qualify it would be like 13.9 based on this year's numbers. So you're looking at like 14 and a half or whatever it is. I mean, that's what Cleo Mack's making on his fifth year option. So if you're Aaron Donald, you're looking at the same. Look, I skipped, I missed a game because I held out last year. I still won friggin' defensive player of the year. And now you're telling me that, that you don't want to pay me. Pete Briscoe's intimated on the show that he thinks Donald wants quarterback money and that might be the holdup. But you're right about the Gurley thing. If you're willing to reset the market with Todd Gurley, you got to be willing to reset the market with Aaron Donald. Right. And I, you know, I still think cooler heads prevail because what's the point of bringing in all these guys to make a run at it this year and then to not have your best player for any actual game? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Were you surprised and or impressed by the Falcons and Giants being able to get Julio Jones and Odell Beckham into camp? Uh, you know, with fairly little concessions, I think that the Giants will probably sign Odell Beckham at some point and the Falcons gave Julio like what three and a half million bucks or whatever it was. But I mean, for, for, that, that's not what you would have seen from diva wide receivers in the early 2000s. Well, uh, the, the Odell Beckham Jr. thing's interesting to me. You know, somebody really got the message through to him yeah. that you want to stay with the Giants, you want to stay in New York, and the best way to do it is to be all about your business, you know, this offseason, prove it to them, and they'll end up taking care of you. Now, we'll see, because he supposedly wants $20 million a year as well, so that all sounds good. They'll start the negotiations, but, you know, will it be enough for him? As for the Julio Jones thing, I didn't think that they were going to budge. I, I really didn't think Julio had a great argument. I didn't think the Falcons wanted to set that precedent. But back to my point about the NFC, Will, and how legit it is, Yeah, I just don't think – I think the Falcons believe and know that they've got a Super Bowl-caliber team. And you and I – I, you know, I follow you on Twitter and we share a brain as it relates to the Falcons. Like I'm surprised. I think they had the 11th or 12th best, uh, playoff odds. Maybe they, they were in the plus money. 
I'd be shocked if the Falcons didn't make the playoffs. I think they're loaded. I think they have as good a chance as anybody in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl and win it. They should have won it two years ago. They should have beat the Eagles last year in the divisional round. And I think they looked at it like this, Will. You know what? We can hold the line on precedent. And then this whole training camp, that's all we're talking about. It's a distraction. And maybe Julio even, you know, skips a game or two. Or we just give the guy a little bit more money. He's there. And we're all in the boat. We're all full throttle to making this a special season. They chose door number two. And I I totally get that. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I think um, what you probably have is some sort of, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Listen, Julio, we're going to. You're, you're a freaking great wide receiver. We'll get you paid. We can't pay you like this because then everyone will hold out. We got to deal with uh, Jake Matthews. We got to deal with Grady Jarrett. We got to keep this team together. Go out, ball out, and we will make sure you get paid. Uh, Jake Matthews too got paid. A little surprising though, Ross, because his number, not that it didn't reset the market, Taylor Dewan, they both signed on the same day, right? I think it was last, was it a Monday or a Friday? Whatever day it was. They, they both signed on the same day and Lawan reset the market and then Jake Matthews signed under market. Now Lawan has the Pro Bowl accolades and has been maybe better over the course of his career that Jake Matthews was taken in the same draft, but drafted higher. Um, were you surprised that Jake Matthews took the deal he did or do you think it was sort of a no brainer at that price? Not really. I mean, you know, $15 million a year and, and, and Taylor Lewan getting $16 million a year, which is right kind of at the market that sold or set. I, I don't blame those guys and I'm not surprised for the reasons we just talked about. You know, they could have held them to their feet to the fire for the fifth year option. Then they could have tagged them. You get that kind of money. Those guys know and it's happened to me twice, Will. You know, you never know when you're going to get rolled up on, man. You know, you you never know when a guy is going to fall onto your leg. So if they're going to give you money that's basically at the top of the market, um, I think most guys would accept that, and I and I can see why those guys did it. It is interesting, though, Will, and something hopefully people remember, you know, next March and April, we talk so much about upside when the draft comes around all the time. And here we are, whatever that was, four or five years ago, you know, Greg Robinson had the big upside Mm. and went number two overall as a result, even though I saw he had like five to ten mental errors just in the national championship game against Florida State that year, which I was troubled by. And meanwhile, he's like trying to make the team for the Cleveland Browns, and Matthews and Lawan are both getting 15-plus million dollars a year. So I, I, I understand there's value and upside. But man, I mean, there's value in having a high floor and showing that you're a very competent player too. And the other point I would make, I was actually at Eagles camp, Will, earlier this week, talking with Lane Johnson. I'm amazed how many people don't realize how valuable right tackles are now. Yes. You know, I think even some of the personnel executives are behind the curve on this. You look at like the AFC West, right? The right tackle is the guy going against Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Justin Houston, and Joey Bosa. Are you <laughs> kidding me? And I, and I get the whole blindside thing, but that was really more about Lawrence Taylor and, and Derek Thomas and some of the guys that were rushing from over there than it was really about the blindside part of it. I do think. The quarterback can see the guy coming from the right a little bit better usually, but 
that also affects them more mentally. You know, that, that guy can kind of be in their face or kind of hit their throwing arm or be or affect them more at times than the, than the guy on the blind side. And so we're at a stage now where we're paying left tackle $16 million and right tackles $8 million. Someone's going to realize that, you know how valuable Lane Johnson was for the Eagles last year? I mean, he was awesome, and they pay him a lot, and rightfully so. The other thing is teams still slide their protection to the weak side more often. I mean, they still slide their protection to the left more often than not. I used to say when I was playing that I could play center a whole year and and get by. I could start at left guard for a whole season, and because teams slide left with, like, two jet protection, you know, I could get by. But if you put me at right guard for a whole year, I would have gotten exposed, dude. Because that was like – that was like going against uh, Bryant Young and Sapp and Leroy Glover. And (laughs) one-on-ones against those guys on a consistent basis would not have gone well for me. And now it's, you know, Aaron Donald, Geno Atkins, Gerald McCoy, those guys. But I think a lot of times it's actually easier on the left side than it is on the right side. Well, and too, like, you know, when you talk about the blind side part of it, I mean, this is a whole new breed of attacking offensive lines and attacking quarterbacks with the way that Parcells and LT were doing it. So it was sort of like a, you find a, you find a way to, to, you know, I mean, essentially any Michael Lewis book you read is about a market inefficiency, right? And so they found an inefficiency that they could, the way to attack on defense. And so then there was an overcorrection by the offensive people. And now the overcorrection has been to the, literally to the other side in the sense that, you know, you have teams who want multiple pass rushers and so they can send somebody from each end, like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Have fun, pick your poison. You gotta have a tackle on both sides if you want to try and stop these guys. Plus they're multiple and can kick inside and can rush as, as, you know, as, uh, interior guys on, 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 you know, nickel down, or nickel, nickel packages and all that. So, I mean, it, it's, you're right. It is sort of like a, it feels very footballish that we lag behind in terms of identifying the left tackle versus the right tackle, right? Yeah, and you know, it's funny because when I played, there was still, um, there was still usually will like one guy, one of the two D tackles usually wasn't a great rusher. Right. You know, it's like amazing that they've just figured out, it's like the Giants when they beat the Patriots in 2007, where they were moving both the ends like inside and it was Justin Tuck rushing inside or even Strahan at time. It's like, it took him a while to say, you know what? When it's an obvious passing down, who cares at all about, you know, stopping the, the run, the, right? Yeah. The run. It, yeah. Like who cares at all? Just get four legit runs. Cause so we were kind of fortunate cause there would still be one guy that was just, you know, a big guy, good against the run, but he wasn't really going to beat you. Now he might be a push the pocket guy. He might sit there and they were hopefully hoping that he would get the double team even in the pass pro. You know, for a draw, for a screen, they don't have that guy. Does not exist anymore. That guy's not on the field on obvious passing downs. He's gone. He's standing over there next to the 255 pound, you know, middle linebacker that used to play, you know, all the time. Yeah, it's a it's a different game, and in 2018, and the the finances don't always reflect it. Uh, when when you look at the quarterback market, does though, and when you look at there's three quarterbacks I I find Ross that are intrinsically connected for 2018, uh, even though they, they aren't, well, they just, because of this musical chair situation that unfolded with the franchise tag, um, and, and draft picks and all that, who would you rather have as your quarterback for the 2018 season and 2018 only 
Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, or Patrick Mahomes. And base that not not like you're not dropping them in a um, in a vacuum. It's like your their situation. You know, without without necessarily quantifying. You know, we talk about quarterback wins on your podcast. Like we don't want to say like who's going to win the most games because that feels unfair uh, with, with one team having Minnesota's defense. But which quarterback would you rather have? Well, I can tell you, Mahomes is definitely last. And I think Mahomes is going to be probably the most exciting quarterback in the league this year. It's going to be amazing. But, Matt, I, I talked to people. He was throwing a lot of interceptions in the spring. He's going to be like uh, Brett Favre, like circa 92. It's oh, going to boy. be awesome. I mean, he's, he's going to make <laughs> throws that we're going to make holy crap. But he's going to make other throws where we're going to be like, Holy crap, I can't believe he just did that. <laughs> He's gonna be, but it's gonna be holy crap either way, Will, which is good. I'm into holy crap. I'm, I'm into the entertainment part of it, but he's last. You know, the Alex Smith and, and Cousins thing is tough for me. I, I think I'd probably lean Alex Smith mm. because of, I think the, the Redskins have a better O line for sure. I think Alex's running ability Helps him as well. Um, and I think those are probably the two main things. I'd also say this. I don't know how they pulled it off. But it's amazing that the Redskins ended up getting a guy like Alex Smith on a five-year deal for really like, you know, you know, not, not even, not even 80% on the dollar of what these other quarterbacks are getting now. I mean, it, that was, that was one of the best offseason moves we've seen in a while to get a, Certainly top 15, definitely last year top 10 quarterback in Alex Smith. I think that's huge. You know, I do think that the receivers are better in Minnesota. So it, it's, sure. it's probably a toss-up. And because of the toss-up, I'm going to go Alex Smith because of his running ability, because of uh, the offensive line of Washington, and because he's had to make a transition between teams before. Great point. Cousins hasn't. And that, you know, I did that too many times for my own good. That's a little bit, uh, there's always a little bit of a transition there. And, and, and Alex has been through it before. I, I think the other thing that stands out to me too is that, um, I think that Jay Gruden is sort of underrated in terms of head coaches in the NFL and as a play caller too. And so, if you're Alex Smith, I, I'm not knocking John Filippo, but he is a bit of an unknown. I know the Eagles had a really successful season with their quarterbacks last year, but he didn't have, you know, massive numbers with the Browns as a play caller. You know, caveat that as, as however you want. Um, but I think you get a little bit more stability and ease in terms of sliding in with the Redskins than you might, um, sliding with the Vikings. And to me, that offensive line point you made, as well as the transition thing, those are huge. I mean, Alex Smith is a veteran who's, who has swapped teams, um, you know, in, in a weird scenario. He's been benched in, in San Francisco and he's been bumped out of KC and now he's going somewhere where they want him. And I think he'll be enthusiastic and Kirk Cousins would be pumped too because he's wanted and he wasn't wanted in, in DC. But, um, you know, the questionable offensive line compared to what he's been playing behind, even though they were hurt last year. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I tend to, I tend to side with Alex Smith too, but I was surprised, uh, to hear you say that when, you talked about the NFC and how tough that, that, that conference is. And it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. I was going through it trying to find teams that are going to be terrible in the NFC. And it's not easy, Ross. Can, if you, your life depends on it. Um, you're, we, we don't want to end your life or anything, but if you had to pick five teams, um, five teams who are definitely not going to make the playoffs, do you have five teams in the NFC who are 100% not going to make the postseason? 
well, I mean, there's definitely something like the Car- Arizona Cardinals are not going to the playoffs. So that's one off the top of my head. Uh, I can't imagine the Bucks going. I just think the AFC, uh, the NFC South is too tough. Sure. And, you know, with Winston out, and I, I think everybody's on the hot seat there. So I'll go Cardinals, Bucks. I think the Bears will be better, but they're not going to the playoffs. You know, that, that would, that would really surprise me. So I'll go three is the Bears. Uh, four. I mean, I wouldn't say absolutely not. You know, now we're getting a little bit dicey. <laughs> I don't think the Redskins are going to make the playoffs. I don't, I don't think wow. the Redskins have enough difference making players on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to win the division, by the way. The Redskins. Yeah. I'm picking them to win the division. I just think. Smith gives him a floor, a really high floor. Darius Geis is finally that feature runner that they have. The offensive line has to stay healthy. And, and now early on in training camp, Josh Doxon's hurt. Jameson Crowder got hurt this week. So that's, that's a big red flag. I think he's a good, Crowder's a good fit with Smith. And then they were a top five rush defense before Jonathan Allen went down last year. So if they can get him healthy and they bring in Payne, uh, and have Kerrigan there, I think that the secondary can hold up. I'm with you. The defense concerns me a little bit, but I could see the rest of the division you know, being if the Eagles come back a little bit, the Giants and Cowboys don't have to be great. Didn't mean to interrupt your picks. I just wanted to get no, that on, get that on really record. Interesting. You know, that's that's uh, that's where I started and finished my career. Right. So I have uh, a little bit of an affinity for the Redskins. I, my claim to fame, Will, is I'm the worst player that played for uh, Schottenheimer, Spurrier, and Gibbs. <laughs> Because, because if you played for all three of those guys, you were like, you know, like Chris Samuels. You know what I mean? Like you were like a total stud. Uh, but I, I was Schottenheimer, Spurrier, and then four other teams, and then back in 07 with Gibbs. So that's kind of my, my claim to fame is I'm the worst guy, Redskin, that played for all three of those guys. What's all three, by the way? Yeah. So incredibly different in so many ways. Yeah. I would tell you, I guess my fifth team. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. And it's kind of amazing that we're sitting here and, you know, you talk about how long these dynasties are. And I know they weren't really a dynasty, but how long a core group of players can go on a run. And if you look, it's really usually like three to five, maybe six years max. And it's remarkable to me that we're looking at the entire NFC, 16 teams, and you're asking me to tell you five that won't make the playoffs, and I include the Seahawks as yeah. one of those five. I mean, that's – to me, that and the Eagles winning the Super Bowl last year, even though they had the 16th best odds in Vegas around this time, they lost their MVP quarterback, Hall of Fame left tackle, best linebacker, best special teamer, and best running back, and they still won. Those are the things that make the NFL – a lot more interesting than the other sports is like, I mean, the Seahawks. I mean, they're one of the five teams that picked not to make the playoffs for sure. And the Eagles win it kind of out of nowhere. And you're picking the Redskins to win the division. It's, it's a wonderful thing that, and I know the Patriots always win and the Steelers are always good, but, but, you know, we also didn't think the Jaguars would be up by 10 or whatever in the fourth quarter with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So the unpredictability is one of the things that really, Really makes the NFL cool. No, you're right. It, look, five, there's six six playoff teams in the NFC, right? Um, five of them were new last year. The Falcons were the only team, and that goes back to our Falcons argument, by the way. The Falcons were the only team that make the playoffs in the NFC the last two each of the last two years. Whereas you go to like college football, there are five active coaches with with titles. 
Like that's crazy. There's 130 schools and, or maybe it's five. It's, it's urban, uh, yeah, urban, Jimbo, Saban, Dabo, and, uh, who am I missing that also has a title? Maybe it's just four. Anyway, they, they, like, there's, there's college football and the NBA, this, literally the same teams win over and over. And then you have, like you said, the Eagles come in and, and to pull that out of nowhere. So, yeah, you want to hear my prediction for the college football final four? Yeah, yeah. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? I swear it's, it, it does feel like it's the same teams every year at this point. There's usually one different team, like, you know, like, Washington or somebody, you know, maybe U.S. Like, there's usually one other team, but th- those three, I feel like, are in it every year. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 a uh, college football is not this uh diverse meritocracy that pops up when it comes to the playoff. Even though they tell you like anybody can win on uh on any given Saturday, and I apologize if you if you hear my dog or child at all. Uh, longtime listeners to this podcast know that they annoy me every afternoon, and they have indeed uh, made their way up into my office. So if if you hear that, that's why. Uh, I didn't hear either. I haven't heard. Oh, either. good, good, excellent. Um, all right, let's play a quick game of fill in the blanks. Uh, and by the way, if you if you if you if you if you missed it earlier on the podcast, you should subscribe to all of Ross Tucker's podcast, uh, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, which will get you some gambling tips, and the Fantasy Feast uh, with Evan Silva, which will get you filled in every week on fantasy football. Fill in the blank. The most talented, the most talented slash dangerous division in football for 2018 is blank. Well, talent doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best teams, mm. but I'll still go with the NFC South. I mean, what, they have three teams make the playoffs last year. And if you look – or no, I guess Carolina did. But you no, know, Carolina did. Yeah, they had three. Oh, yeah, 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 Carolina. So, But to me, even the Bucks, with what they did this offseason, I mean, Vinnie Curry, Pierre Paul, Bo Allen – you know, even getting like Ryan Jensen at center, who's my favorite offensive lineman in the league. If you ever want to watch a dude just out there trying to kill people, watch <laughs> Ryan Jensen, the center now for the Bucks. I love that dude. He's my blood brother because of that. Um, I, I'll say the NFC South because even the Bucks, even though I, I had him as one of my teams that won't make the playoffs, will they still have a bunch of talent? So I'll go NFC South. I, I think that's a, that's the call to make AFC South. Is, is right there with them. I think at the end of the day, even if you think the Jaguars would beat the Saints or the Jaguars would beat the, let's say the Jaguars beat the Saints. Um, but then I think the Falcons would beat the Texans. The Panthers would beat the Titans. And I think the Buccaneers would beat the Colts. So like if you did a head to head death match, that's who, uh, I agree with the NFC South would come ahead. The second best team in the AFC North is blank. Baltimore Ravens, and and I can see people. I think the Browns will be much better. I'm a big Tyrod Taylor fan. I think the Bengals will be a little bit better than they were last year. But I have a feeling, Will, that Joe Flacco is going to play really well. Mm. I, you know, I I don't want to say he got complacent, but it just seems like he's got a unique personality. And if you notice, like over the years, it feels like when he really has to play well. It seems like he does. And I remember a couple of years ago in that Christmas game, I called that game for Westwood one. It was at Pittsburgh. Yeah. He played awesome. You know, remember the winner won the AFC North? Yeah. Yeah. He played awesome. That's how Juszczyk got paid. Juszczyk was awesome in that game. Um, he played awesome and their defense just couldn't stop. Antonio Brown had that touchdown at the end. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. 
Think about how Flacco has not been good the last few years, obviously, right? Now, part of that, their O-line's been beat up. Flacco has himself been beat up. You got the ACL. You got the herniated disc in his back. So he has, he's been beat up. The O-line's been beat up. And the, and the wide receivers have been pretty much garbage under, other than Steve Smith Sr., right? Yes. But if you go back, he's, he still hasn't been good. I can think of at least three games, playoff games, where he played better than Brady did. I mean, 2011, he outplayed Brady if Lee Evans holds on to that ball. You know, 2012, they obviously beat New England, and then they won the Super Bowl that year. He was unbelievable during that run. 2014, they're up by two touchdowns before the Patriots start inventing formations <laughs> that nobody's seen before. And even, I think, 2009, the Billy I don't know could... that he outplayed Brady in that game, but the Ravens killed the Patriots in that game. That was the week after Welker tore his knee up. In Houston. So I don't know that, Fla- I don't, I, I'm not going to say that Flacco outplayed Brady in that game. I don't remember that being the case, but there's at least three playoff games, all in New England, by the way, where Joe Flacco was the better quarterback. And you got to understand, Will, like I played in New England. I love Tom Brady. I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I, I'm, I'm honored that I was able to snap him the ball, but he got outplayed three times by Joe Flacco at home. The guy just, I, I feel like he's clutch. I feel like. When it's really on the line, he plays well. I think he's going to have a, his best year in whatever it is, four or five years. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. All right, we do share a brain because I'm on the Ravens over this year because because of that very reason. And by the way, I looked at that game. He he did he played like absolute uh, dog. He didn't play like dog crap. He only attempted ten passes in that 2009 season. But Ray Rice had 160 rushing yards. Remember, he ripped off that. Um, yeah, yeah, like, first open, play. yeah, first play. play, yeah, first play from scrimmage and he rips it off. But, the, but you're right. I mean, Flacco has gone in and gone head to head with Tom Brady. He had the Joe Montana-esque, uh, playoff run. And I think the similarity that I look at Ross for this season and, and Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson is Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Like this is a guy who understands he's, he could end up being traded or he's going to end up somewhere else in 2019. And if he goes out and he plays really well, he's going to get a, a, an easy starting opportunity. I think he's going to be pissed off because they they, they drafted a guy in the first round to replace him while he's still there, even though he's a franchise caliber quarterback. And I think you see him take some deep shots with improved wide receiver core. And, uh, and I like Alex Collins a little bit too. I think, I think the Ravens are, uh, are, are pretty good bet to be heavily involved in that wild card race late in the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they stole one from this or they stole the division from the Steelers. The best quarterback in the AFC South is blank. I think it's kind of hard to go against Deshaun Watson, you know, just based on what he did last year. And it's bizarre, too, because I thought he was really bad in the preseason. I mean, really bad in the preseason. And then during the season, he was awesome. I'm still skeptical of Andrew Luck. I think if all of these guys are totally healthy, I think there's a pretty good debate between Deshaun Watson and Luck. I'd probably still take Luck. Um, But I just... You know, he missed a lot of time, man. And, and it's his throwing shoulder, and he's talked openly about, you know, putting more pressure on his legs when he throws it and throwing the ball differently. And it's just, I don't know. I, I've got more faith in Deshaun Watson bouncing back from the ACL. So I'll take, I'll take Deshaun Watson and the, and, and the Texans as the best quarterback in the division. But, you know, I don't know. Talk to me after week four, I guess. Well, I, might, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to change my, change my mind either. No, of course not. That's, that's the mark of a, a smart analyst. You, you're able to zig when, when people are zagging at you. Uh, all right. I, yeah, I think Marcus Mariota, by the way, could, could at least 
insert himself in that conversation in this new offense. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think he can at least insert himself in that conversation. All right, we're out of time somehow already. I kept you too long. Ross Tucker, uh, it's isn't it at Ross Tucker NFL? I'm just ripping that off the top of my head on Twitter. Yes, yes. Uh, well, well, you're not doing that off the top of your head. It's ingrained in your memory, Will, because of all of the unbelievably poignant tweets you've seen from me over the years. <laughs> you know what? You know what you are, Will. By the way, you're a you're a good retweeter. Ah, thank you. On, uh, on multiple levels. In other words, so first of all, your your tweets are awesome. Thank you. But your retweets. Always provide value. <laughs> yeah, some people just retweet to retweet. Like your retweets are like, oh, like I think earlier in the week I saw the retweet about the uh, Brett McMurphy thing from your feed. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like I was like, oh, your retweets provide a lot of value. And by the way, I think as a as an industry, we should all retweet more often because yeah, sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to retweet that my followers won't like. None of your followers are going to say, oh, you retweeted that? Yeah, I'm done with you, man. You're out. Like, nobody's going to say that. But it's a great way to kind of expose other people to some really good work and some great accounts out there. I'm with you 100%. I'm not saying that's the best thing you've said because you had lots of good football things. But that is – that's something we need to be better about as a as a, as a group of media. Like if you – if you just retweet something, it's, it's just like somebody's going to see it, but it's not going to be this mark on your account where people are worried about it. It's just saying, Hey, like check out this work. This is a good, like, like since somebody who works for CBS, I'm not afraid to retweet Bill Barnwell's stuff. If he writes a good piece about uh, something I like, or, you know, something like one of my friends, like, like a Greg Rosenthal or somebody NFL.com writes or something you write. Like, like I think we should all, we should all be out there helping each other out with some retweets. Totally agree, because there's a lot of good stuff out there that just gets lost in the big uh, storm that is NFL media. It's just, it, you know, it's a, it's a discovery issue, and we can help each other with discovery with retweets. All right, well, we're going to retweet the crap out of this podcast and out of your podcast. Ross Tucker, thanks for taking the time, my man. Absolutely, and I will definitely do that. Thanks so much for having me, Will. You're doing a great job with this thing. Likewise.